This is Season 2, Episode 5, Clint. Episode 274. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to figure out which one of us is lying. One of us is definitely lying, and the other of us is definitely not lying. Yeah, but will he be able to figure it out? That's the real test. It's like a really shitty version of the puzzle in Labyrinth, you know, with the two door knockers. I've never seen Labyrinth. How how am I friends with you? I don't <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand. I don't know, but I also last not last night, a couple nights ago watched a movie that I also have never seen before which was silence of the lambs um what and i was i know i've never seen it before i don't know how that's possible i've seen interview the vampire like a thousand times but never seen silence of the lambs before finally watched it uh it holds up it's good i i really enjoyed it i have so many questions like what other iconic and important movies have you not seen that i don't know because i'm finding this all very upsetting right now uh a lot i have never seen poltergeist uh or friday the 13th have you have you at um, least seen rosemary's baby yes i love that okay. movie that's such a good friendship movie. restored <laughs> friendship restored well the other thing that was fun about uh silence of the lambs was that my friend james who listens to this hey james uh he's also clint's friend but he's He's my friend more. I'm claiming him. I'm taking him over. But um, he like texted me and he was really drunk. And I was like, I'm going to watch Silence of the Lambs. And he's like, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> so we were like texting each other as we were watching it. Uh, and as I just like to me, I was sober and this was my plan all along. But he came home drunk and was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do, um, which I find very funny. Interesting. So you guys were like yeah, on the same we- Silence of the Lamb brain with. Have you actually read the books? No, I haven't. But after watching that movie, I'm like, oh, I- well, one, um, this is, I, I've definitely got the vibe that it was based off a book. But also Buffalo Bill is so based off of Ted Bundy. Um, like the part when he's trying to get, uh, a chair into his van and he has like a cast on i mean ted bundy really did that he he would put like a fake cast on and like drop his papers and then when women were like do you want help he'd be like okay and then shove them in the car yes so which james also said he was like oh my god that's so ted bundy and then he was like i started watching the ted bundy tapes because of all things terror <laughs> So we're changing the world, Jennifer. Little by little. <laughs> well, maybe I should start my speech about toxic chemicals and healthcare or basic health products and personal grooming products and foods that are unregulated but totally legal in the U.S. market, and then maybe people will start getting upset about those. Well, I mean, James does live in Annapolis. He does not work in the government in any capacity, but, you know. Maybe he'll, like, run into a politician. So, James, get it yeah, done. God. Do our bidding. Oh, I was going to say, so what's interesting, actually, about the book series and the two movies after um, Silence of the Lambs touch on it, but actually Hannibal touches on it the most, is that uh, the book is actually romance. Uh yeah i don't want to ruin too much but it's kind of a love story and it's one of the things i really appreciated about because i have to say like the other two movies after silence of the lamb lambs not so great but the um television series hannibal actually was really good but also like took the whole like love story aspect of the books and uh, went a whole new, whole new direction with it. So it was really uh, exciting for me to be able to watch that. Well, I will say in one of the Hannibal movies, Hannibal Lecter is played by, I always say Ralph, and Taylor gets mad at me and goes, it's Rafe. But Rafe finds who is, I mean, he can get it. So that's, you know, in 
enticing. I don't know what word to put on there. Uh, Ralph Rife. I guess if I want to bone him, I should say his name right. Ray Fiennes is. He's a handsome dude. Voldemort. <laughs> Give him a nose and, and he's a real sexy beast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what you're saying is that he may or may not end up being a celebrity that you have a sex dream about? I could only be so lucky. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is like callback to like the most embarrassing episode I've ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone has weird sex dreams, so. I mean, uh, to be fair, I did not have, I am just telling, I talked about how I had a dream that I was dating John Mulaney. We did not have sex, we were just dating and he was really nice. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Oh, all right. Shut up, you. Time to, <laughs> time to just smack that memory out of everybody's head and tell you a terrifying story instead. Welcome to All Things Hair. This is the podcast where we tell you scary stories from history science and true crime current events and we, real life current events yeah actually sometimes the most terrifying thing is ourselves <laughs> <laughs> so this week jennifer i wanted to do kind of you did you gave me a nice cue up with the sex dream episode but i do what i can uh, to one of the other you know to just constantly embarrass me well, i was uh, just gonna say you know it's just friendly for foreplay that's all Oh God! Uh, I so <clears throat> an aside, but almost every time that we are going to record, you text me like, "Are you ready?" And I'm like, "Yeah, hang on, just give me like a few minutes to finish whatever I'm doing, like having a snack or brushing my teeth or putting a bra on or whatever." But this morning, I had a Bruce Springsteen song stuck in my head, and I was like, "I gotta listen to this before I record." And then, so I was listening to it, and then I had to pee, and while I was sitting there peeing, I had my phone, and I looked up, like, young Bruce Springsteen pictures, because that's what you do. And, by the way, if anyone is unaware, young Bruce Springsteen is also very handsome. Uh, so this is just the whole theme of today is... <laughs> what what people are actually very handsome? Yeah, w this is the special handsome men edition. But anyway, so hilariously, that was another callback to today, but... The real story I'm doing today, uh, one of our, an episode that you and I both really enjoyed was when I told you about people who get lost in the woods in season one, go listen to it. And I really like unsolved disappearances. I mean, I don't like them, but I find them really, really creepy and they grab my attention. And so in the theme of that today, I am going to tell you about people who get lost in a city. No, although Damn. that's a good one. Children who flat out disappear. Oh, okay. This will be good. Because I just want you to know that like, this is not how most children disappear. I was going to say this at the end, but I'll just say it now. According to the center, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, 5% of the reports so that they tr track this by reports, not by the number of children, right? So like if a child runs away multiple times in a year, each instant counts as data, right? So like 5% of the reports about missing children are you're kidnapped by a family member. And there are, in 2018, there were 424,066 entries for missing children. So that's reports. That's not actual right. children. Which honestly doesn't seem like that much to me. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not as much as I thought. It says one in seven children were victims of successful temporary kidnapping or sexual assault. That's like all children growing up, which is insane. And most children get abducted by people who know the family for not great pedophilia purposes which is probably not shocking to anybody. But uh, what I'm going to talk about today are kind of the outliers of things that don't make sense and children that just legitimately disappear. Like there's no other word I have for it than they are here and then they're gone. So it's spooky. You ready? Yes, I'm totally ready. All right. In June 14th, 1969, 
We're going back in time. Uh, I'm going to tell you three stories, by the way. We'll go in chronological order of when they disappeared, and then I'll tell you what happens. What What's the conclusion? Sound good? Yes. Okay. So, June 14th, 1969. It's Father's Day. Uh, we are in Tennessee. It's 1969, so there's probably a lot of mustard, yellow, um, brown. We're getting some station wagons. Definitely some plaid print. Plaid prints, for sure. Um, granny square crochet blankets. Oh, the corduroy jackets with elbow patches? Oh, yeah. People are smoking everywhere, inside, in offices, on airplanes. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. It's a um, good time. Good time. Good times. <laughs> so, on Father's Day, there was this tradition among um, the Martin family that all of the men in the family would go hiking together. And six-year-old Dennis Martin was part of this. Time out. He went up with his... This is another Martin story? (laughs) (laughs) I totally forgot about that. Listeners, if your last name is Martin, you're going to (laughs) disappear. We have have scientific proof now. Lots of rigor went into studying this. God or Sasquatch or somebody hates Martins, so watch out. Change your name now. You're now the Martinique family. (laughs) the martinique family (laughs) so unfortunately uh dennis and his family had not heard our podcast so they didn't know about this but six-year-old dennis martin goes up with his dad his grandpa and then there are three other boys who are all older than him i read a lot about that i actually did a lot of research for this one and it's i i got a different story some would say it's two brothers and a friend some say it's two friends or a cousin one place said one brother and two family friends but basically it's it's three boys that are all older than him um and there's some mix of brothers and family friends it's a week away from dennis's seventh birthday yeah so if you can't tell he's going to be the one who disappears spoiler alert so they are living in knoxville which I've been to, and it's an awesome place. What up, Knoxville? So they're going up into the Great Smoky Mountains, which are kind of where they're going is near the Appalachian Trail. And the two adults are, they're up in the woods doing wood stuff. I don't know. (laughs) Peeing against uh, trees. I don't know, throwing rocks. Scratching their bellies, talking about being out in the woods. You know, things that you do in the woods. Exactly, exactly. Talking about the woods. Um, So the two adults are talking in this clearing, and this clearing is called Spence Field. And the kids are like, oh, we're going to circle around and scare them, right? Like, you know, if you like hide around a corner and then like jump out at someone, be like, boo. (laughs) It's real dicey, terrifying stuff, right? So they split up to like circle around. Classic military pincher move. Um, they've They've got some thinking. And the mysterious group of boys right i don't know some three whatever we're not sure they go one way and dennis goes the other and the boys jump out and everyone's like oh you got me what fun (laughs) and then what ho uh they're british now apparently but dennis doesn't jump out and they're like wait a minute where is he and so they immediately are like dennis come out come out uh and he doesn't come out Dennis's dad says that he was out of sight for maybe five minutes. Um, he's wearing a red shirt tucked into green hiking shorts, and he has little Oxford shoes. And so the idea is even if he's, you know, being a little punk and not answering when they call him, he's wearing a bright red shirt in the middle of the woods, right? We should be able to see him. Right. But what we know from that episode in season one is that the woods are terrifying and trying to kill you at all times. Yes, and they always eat you no matter what. They always eat you. I grew up in the desert, so I am deeply suspicious of woods. I'm like, what is this? More than three trees? <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's windy. The idea that it's really windy is that as they're yelling, you know, the wind is going to send your voice the other way. They won't hear him. His dad immediately starts hiking around looking for him. The grandpa goes on a big hike looking for him. Like nothing. And this is one of the things that's really interesting is they start freaking out right away. Like basically right away, they know that this is not okay. And they go and call park rangers. I mean, they probably have to hike down to do this. It's the 1969. There's no cell phones. And one, I only read this in one place that they had 
hiked 10 days or 10 miles the day before to get to this clearing. But I don't, the other timelines I've seen make it seem like they were able to get down out of the clearing pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'm not entirely sure. But basically, by the end of the day, the park rangers are called. They're on alert. They start looking. But then it starts raining. Oh, no. That's the worst thing that could happen when you're doing <laughs> any type of search for a missing person in the woods is it fucking starts raining. I know. I know. Well, one, because it's going to wash away evidence. And two, if the person's out there, now they're getting rained on. And we're in Tennessee. We're in Appalachia. So this is not like a little the devil's beaten his wife sprinkle, right? Right. It's okay. I just realized I have to pause. Um, Two non-Southerners, the devil is beating his wife means that it's raining while the sun is shining. (laughs) You know what I meant, but then I just had this moment of someone being like, literally, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) That's what that means. Now you know that expression. Feel free to spread it around. It's a great one. So, but that's not what's happening, right? This is this is a real storm, and overnight, the the amount of rain was estimated um, that 2.5 inches fell, which is quite a bit of rain at one point, um, especially if there's a six year old out in the woods and they're looking for him. So one of the quotes that I have was, quote, the storm was so vicious, the people there at the shelter had trouble even lighting a fire. You have lightning and thunder and all of this rain. You can't imagine the people there in the shelter just imagining what the little boy was going through. That's all you could possibly be thinking. Where was he? Where could he be? And if they're having trouble lighting a fire under a shelter, I imagine that it's like windy. It's not straight down rain. This is, this is the horizontal shit that's really terrible and makes you wet everywhere. It's, uh, you know, kind of like hurricane weather. Yeah, I don't like rain. I prefer to be in my... I'm a lizard. I want it to be warm and dry. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. Bugs come and then I eat them, I guess. So they keep searching the next day. Um, all told, there are about 1,400 volunteers, including... In the area, there were Green Berets who were training, and they are like, okay, well, we can come and help you search. And because it's 1969, these are Green Berets who are training or possibly returning from Vietnam. So they are being trained to make your way through a jungle, right? And rain. And um, they joined the search. Well, that's cool. I know. It's kind of a a neat little fun fact, right? And very nice of the Green Berets. This is also where I'm going to pause on six-year-old Dennis Martin. Green Berets are looking for him, Tennessee. Now, we are going to fast forward to February 14th, 2000. This is the case that I heard it on a podcast called um, The Trail Went Cold. And when I heard about this, and then when we started recording, I was like, I really want to do an episode about this because this is one of those stories that is just insane. And really, it is a perfect example of the missing persons that just like gets inside your head and will not leave. And also speaking of my friend James, if Clint didn't cut out that bit at the beginning, I he used to live in Nashville and I was up there for a job interview and I crashed on his couch and the trail went cold is all about missing people, but it's this Canadian who like, it's one guy talking and he just has this really calm voice and he seems like such a nice guy and he doesn't swear or do the stupid shit we do. And so I used to listen to it to help me fall asleep. And like, I told James, like, if you hear me talking, like sometimes I just talk in my sleep or or like, I listen to this podcast, don't worry about it. And he just looked at me like, you listen to a podcast about people going missing to fall asleep, and then you talk in your sleep. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) So shout out to James. I think he said I was giggling in my sleep, which is terrifying Um, on every level. But that's where I first heard this. And this is the disappearance of a nine-year-old Asha degree. Have you heard about this one? No. Of the three that I'm going to do, this one I think is probably like among true crime podcasts and and that kind of community. It's kind of well known. But we're going to your neck of the woods. This is Shelby, North Carolina. North Cackalake. 
It's February 14th. It's uh, Valentine's Day. It's also her parents' anniversary. And again, there's a thunderstorm, and this causes some power outages in the night, but it comes back on. She has a brother that she shares a room with. Her dad comes home. He works late, and he he sees his daughter and son at midnight when he comes home, and then he sees her again at 2.30. So he goes to bed at 2.30. And she's in her bed. Her brother, whose name is O'Brien, which is awesome. That's a great name. <laughs> uh, also, Asha Degree is just like, that name, just the syllables work perfectly well together. Like, that's that's an author name right there. You know, that just means that their parents took some time when picking names. Yeah, and like, by all accounts, they were really good parents. They and really good kids. They didn't have a computer in the house. The kids, like both the parents worked and the kids would come home after school and like let themselves in and do their homework until their parents got home. So like by all accounts, this is a stable, happy family. So O'Brien hears Asha get up at some point and he thinks, okay, she's just going to the bathroom, goes back to sleep. At 6.30 in the morning, Asha's mom gets up, and this is so sweet. She gets a bath ready for her kids, which, like, that must be nice. When I was going to school, my parents would, like, this is how my parents would wake me up, is my dad would just walk around the house screaming, scream singing, <laughs> uh, and we'd be like, no, no, and he would just keep doing it until he got out of bed. And he's scream singing, I say that because he made no effort to carry a tune, but he would also be as loud as he could. And it was like, oh, what a beautiful morning. Or the little mermaid where she's like, oh, ha, ha. and he would just scream that until he woke up. <laughs> so the idea of someone being like, hello, my love, I have a warm bath for you. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Heaven. <laughs> uh, or not waking up to a dog, just like whining directly into my face, which is how I wake up now. Wait, you don't like that? I mean, it, the worst part is that sometimes I'll wake up and he's not whining. He's just staring at me and his nose is really close to my nose. And that does frighten me. I'm like, well, how long have you been doing that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's 630. She goes to get the kids and Ash is not there. So she's like, oh, she must be somewhere in the house. She looks around the house. Can't find her. She calls, I believe it's her husband's mom, but the kid's grandma, and is like, did Asha get to your house somehow? And she's like, no. And so she immediately calls the police, uh, which is also really interesting. And a lot of true crime, when people go missing or murdered, there's like all this stuff where the people aren't notified or the police aren't notified, but like, this is not the case. Like in all of these cases, everybody did everything right. And some of the things that I've seen have suggested that the police were there within 10 minutes, which is, the, that feels like kind of a bad estimation, but okay. But suffice to say, the police were there really fast. And now we'll go back. And so what had really happened, while everybody was sleeping, nine-year-old Asha Degree got up, packed a backpack with a purse and some of her clothes, and left. Police believe that she left of her own volition. There's been absolutely no speculation otherwise, which is really bizarre and interesting mm. yeah there's there's like absolutely no rumor that anyone came into the house or anything this nine-year-old girl was just like all right time to go but why yeah that's the question and i'm gonna tell you right now that's never answered so sometime between 3 45 and 4 15 in the morning um which is about an hour after her dad saw her in bed two or three drivers i've seen kind of different ones are going along Highway 18, and they see a little girl walking south along the highway. It's about a mile and a half or two kilometers from her house, which is like a nine-year-old walking a mile is pretty intense. Yeah. She's wearing a long-sleeve t-shirt and white pants, and um, one of the drivers said at this point when he saw her, it was, quote, a raging storm. So it's, it's raining again. And he thought it was really weird to see quote, strange to see such a small child would be out by herself at that hour. So he circled her. Okay, can we just go ahead and, and call it now? If it's raining and you're near woods, <laughs> don't go any, seek shelter, hitchhike on the road. You're probably actually safer hitchhiking than going into the woods. Can, can everyone not, just agree to this? 
I'm not going to endorse hitchhiking. Fine. Don't hitchhike. But but I will agree with you. Never go outside when it's raining. <laughs> ever. Ever. Never go outside when it's raining. If it's raining, just imagine that's acid that will fall on you and you will disappear. Also, one of my coworkers is like this guy who rides his bike everywhere and he's like even in winter he'll like show up to work and have like icicles in his beard because he rode his bike and he was teaching a class that was in this building that was really far away and I was I like bump into the hallway and I'm like how's it going he's like oh it's okay except I'm teaching in this building really far away and it's really hard to get there in time and I was like oh do you bike and he's like sometimes and then he was like the other day I was just gonna walk but I realized I was gonna be late so I and I was like what you do and he's like oh, I just, I hitchhike. And I was like, what? And he's like, I just, (laughs) I saw a car and asked if he would drive me. And I was like, oh my God, I could not believe it. I was just like, that is so awful. I was like, do not do that. This person is like at least 10 years older than me and like a man, he's fine. And I was just like, that is how you get murdered. And he's like, that's not true. I'm not going to get murdered. I was just like, Nate, most strangers are murderers. And he's like, that's not true at all. And then I, I started laughing. I was like, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> most most murderers are people you know and love. But um, yeah, it was just funny because he does not even like creepy things at all. And he, he schooled me. But I was deeply shocked that a person in this DNA had, had hitchhiked. That he lives in a different world than we do. Uh, he probably doesn't know to be afraid of rain, which now we all do know. Do, do you want to know a fun fact? Always. I have hitchhiked twice. Jennifer, no! Were you a, were you a reckless teen? Were you a youth? I, I was apparently a reckless child. I did hitchhike once when I was a child and once when I was a teenager. Both for good reasons. Oh. And uh, unfortunately, I was murdered on both occasions. So, <laughs> On both occasions. So you're a double ghost. <laughs> yes, I'm... I'm a extra ghost, and I'm hoping that maybe I can get one more ghost ghosting under my belt. Well, well see. or maybe maybe you're a cat, and you will become a ghost nine times. <laughs> I have to ask Ditches if that's how that works. Yeah, let me know what your one-eyed cat says. So anyway, so this guy's like, what the fuck? There's this tiny child walking alongside a highway in the rain, which, yeah. And he said he turned his car around. I've also seen it said that he circled three times, like he turned around, turned around again or something. And that's creepy, but maybe it's just the highway. I don't know. But suffice to say, he he tried to pull it over and ask if she needed help. And when she saw this, she ran into the woods. So she ran away from him. I mean, that seems like a reasonable reaction to a stranger, like whipping around and being like, get in my car. Yeah, it does. But it's also like, why was she doing that? Why are you walking along a highway in the first place? She's got a very important tea party to get to. I guess so. So the next day, February 15th, there was a shed at a nearby business that's sort of along the highway. And they found candy wrappers, a pencil, a marker, and a Mickey Mouse-shaped hair bow. And they confirmed that that stuff belonged to Asha. So they think that she, like chilled out in the shed to get away from the storm for a while they again because the police were called pretty much right away dogs were unable to get a scent probably because of the rain again don't go outside if there's rain we don't trust it and the next day um that february 15th there are at least 60 people looking for her from her church congregation there's a helicopter with infrared heat detection looking for her february 15th that's where we're gonna pause this uh this is starting to sound a little familiar to me this story yes i bet you've heard of it it's well when we get to the end i'll i'll talk more about how and why that's this is like a really popular one for podcasts and true crime but for now we're gonna go fast forward again to april 7th 2018 so just last year and we're gonna go to laporte iowa laporte is really really small like 2,000 people small And 16-year-old Jake Wilson, around eight, he is seen taking a walk. And within an hour, they are like red alert. Um, Why are they worried about a 16-year-old who's been missing for an hour? Well, Jake is autistic. So he, and again, 
I said these are all stories of people who did everything right. Jake Wilson did everything right. He told his family he was going for a walk, and he told them where he was going. He's like, I'm going to go walk by this creek. He's wearing a brown zippy hoodie and cowboy boots. Uh, he left without his glasses. So, again, the sheriffs get involved more or less right away. They're, within a day, there are 800 people searching. Eventually, they would have 2,000 volunteers helping them, which, I mean, sounds like the whole town. <laughs> And the sheriffs do something really interesting. They ask people like, hey, if anybody took a picture that day, please send it so we can see if he's in this picture. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Isn't that clever? Because they, it's a small town and they knew where he told his family he was going to be looking. So, of course, they look there and don't find anything. It doesn't rain, but it's April. And um, I saw at least one or two sources that said it was unusually cold below freezing and the next day it was snowing so there's some urgency to this more than if that wasn't happening fair enough so that's jake wilson are you ready to find out what happened to these three people jennifer i'm ready okay dennis martin six-year-old Dennis, six-year-old dennis martin disappeared in tennessee near appalachia never found never even found his body that's sad but here's what did happen and what they did find so remember i said there were like 1400 people who were searching yes at one point they did find a child's footprint and it was looked like it was wearing this little oxford shoe that dennis was wearing but when the sheriffs were notified they kind of disregarded it because they just thought it was part of the search team so they didn't pay any attention to it and that was found within 3.5 miles of where he disappeared oh my goodness that's one of those things that's like chalk it up to it being a long time ago where they had all these volunteers and it's possible that the volunteers might have destroyed evidence or didn't know what they were looking for. There's also this really weird story. A man named Harold Key was up in the woods with his like two little boys and it's far away. It's like 90 miles from the field, I think. And what he he is up there the day that Dennis disappeared, but he didn't realize it was that day until later. So he's there and he hears this insane scream. He calls it, quote, an enormous, sickening scream. And then his little boys were like, oh, look, a bear. But when Harold Key looked, he saw like a creepy, unkempt is the word, hide like man. And the man was like being sketchy and trying not to be seen. And it looked like he had something over his shoulder. So Harold Key thinks like, oh, it's a moonshiner, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> LOL, but okay. And then later, when he heard about Dennis Martin, Harold Key is like, I think that that man killed Dennis and that's what he was carrying. I am pretty skeptical of this because it's really far away. And like, I think he did hear something, but a lot of animals scream yeah as we've learned as in we've a learned. previous episode <laughs> yeah the cannibalism and aztecs one there's i mean mountain lions are it is a blood curdling scream it sounds like a woman or a banshee like you can understand how if you were a pioneer and everything is pitch black there's no lights and you hear that you think something supernatural and terrible is happening out there um rabbits scream especially when they die foxes famously if you remember that what does the fox say foxes scream <laughs> i always hear people say coyotes but like i grew up around coyotes and to me they yip and they they can sound like voices but whenever i hear that i i think oh that's a coyote like i i don't think it's a a, a human but um i've seen a lot of stuff online of people saying like oh i thought that there were people or or children being murdered, or screams, and it was just coyotes. But so, if you're a listener and you have that experience, please let me know because to me, I just it just sounds like coyotes yipping. Yeah, we need to know about your coyote experiences. Yeah, tell us, tell us if you were somewhere and you heard coyotes yipping and you thought it was not a coyote. But anyway, so my point is that I believe that that he heard a scream, but I just don't think it was a child being murdered by. A hairy man <laughs> <laughs> and then in 1985 which is almost 20 years later 
Dennis disappeared in 69, 1985. An illegal ginseng hunter came forward and he said that a while ago I was looking for ginseng and I found some child bones, but I didn't do anything because I, I didn't want to be blamed for killing a child. This area, he said, was only about three miles away from Spence Field. And it was, according to some sources, in the same direction as that shoe print. Interesting. Yeah. So- and ginseng is, I guess if you get the root, you can sell it and make money, but it kills the plant and it's illegal on national land to like take plants. So that's why this was like, he didn't want to be arrested and get in trouble. And he did notify authorities or whatever, 1985, he took them to the spot and they couldn't find any bones. So who knows? And that's about the only thing. Those are the only leads. That's, uh, that doesn't seem like a whole lot to go on. No. And there are a couple things that I think are interesting. One, like when his dad said, oh, he was only gone five minutes. I a Reddit commenter, commenter, hey Reddit, hey Reddit, am I really a podcaster if I don't talk about Reddit at least once? Uh, <laughs> but a commenter on a Reddit about this pointed this out that I'll just read it because I think that this is really interesting. Quote, one thing I've learned in years of search and rescue is that lots of people swear they were just separated for a few minutes or that they just turned around and the subject was gone. But when there are unrelated witnesses around, it often becomes obvious that they were actually separate for much longer. I don't even think most of them are consciously lying. Our brains are just really good at playing tricks on us like that. And I think that's true. Like, I think it might, he was probably missing for a little bit longer than five minutes, you know, but it's that sense of like, oh, they scared us. We laughed, we talked around. And then somebody was like, wait, where's Dennis? And in that time, I mean, a kid could move out of earshot pretty fast in a forest. Yeah. And then I saw another really interesting thing that might have explained why they couldn't have found him, even though he had this bright red shirt on. And it has to do with the rain. So when it rains and you get soaking wet, even if it's not terribly cold, you can still start getting hypothermia. And that's when you start to freeze to death. And this is actually interesting that this folded into this case because hypothermia is something that I've been thinking about doing. Because when you start to die of hypothermia, first off, all your blood is going to keep your organs alive and people get really disoriented. And they, like if you've ever had a really high fever and can't be aware of what's going on, I don't know if that's happened to you, but like one time I like had a high fever when I was a kid and my mom said that I, she was like trying to figure out what was going on with me. And she's like, who am I? And I said, you're cookie, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> and my mom thought it was funny. And I'm kind of like, that's terrifying too. But like you get really confused and just dis- disoriented. So that happens when you have hypothermia, but then also your the way that your muscles are trying to push the blood away from like skin and muscles to your organs makes you feel like people will feel flushed or their skin will feel really sensitive. And so they do this thing called paradoxical undressing, where as you freeze to death, you start thinking that you're hot or your clothes are hurting you. And so people will start taking their clothes off and that this is actually a documented thing that a lot of times when people freeze to death who are like homeless and they do paradoxical undressing, they think that they're victims of sexual assault because they don't have their clothes on. So that's one way that he could have lost his red shirt. If he started freezing to death, he's small. He doesn't have a lot of clothes on. He's soaking wet. It's possible that this could happen. And then the other thing that I've heard or that I learned doing this, and I had never heard of this before, and it's really creepy, is called terminal burrowing. And it's another thing that hypothermia victims do will try to burrow or climb under things. And it's, it's just like an instinct that their brain does right before they die. And I got, it's this article that quoted a 1995 article um, from the International Journal of Legal Medicine that says, hypothermia victims are found, quote, in a position which indicated a final mechanism of protection, i.e. under a bed, behind a wardrobe, in a shelf, etc. Which is really sad and creepy. And what the fuck is the story that led to in a shelf? (laughs) Right. But if you're out in the woods, 
he could have dug under leaves or in a little hole or like crawled into a cave or something and then died in there and that's why they never found a body that makes me sad it's super creepy i will also just throw out that david Paulides, who is a controversial <laughs> figure thinks that it's a sasquatch <laughs> <laughs> And the charlieproject.org, which if you don't know Charlie Project, um, tracks missing people and missing cases. And it's really interesting. It was started by this one woman and it's sort of her mission. There's a really interesting article about it. But anyway, um, the charlieproject.org has an age progression photo of him to about 50 if he were still alive. So that's interesting. We'll post a link to that. And then also this is in the Great Spooky Mountains and maybe this is another podcast altogether but they do seem to have an inordinate amount of just like off the face of the earth disappearances like things like this where like literally you turn around and you're like how did that person disappear off this trail like have we never found any sign of them and that's that's all we know about dennis martin do you have theories jennifer do you have things you want to say i hope that he became like a mountain man like a wild mountain man <laughs> that's kind of a cool idea he's like i didn't want to be found <laughs> he's like the my life as a six-year-old is too demanding yeah uh, i i've decided i don't want to be part of this as someone who has grown up in mountains and spent a lot of times in mountains like it's it's very easy for me to see how like you can just disappear without a trace yeah and I mean, there are some people who are like, hey, you know, somebody took him or he got eaten by an animal, which I mean, those are possible. But yeah, I mean, I think the scarier and at least in my mind, quite likely possibility is just that he just disappeared. I mean, it can happen yeah. as we as we discussed in the uh, getting lost in the woods episode. Well, you know, the mountains on the other side of the country are very different than the mountains that are on the west side of the country. Like I said, I don't trust too many trees. <sighs> so there, there are a lot more trees. There's a lot more stuff covering the ground, which means you can't see hidden crevices. You can't see caves. You can't see sinkholes. You can't see old mining shafts. Like there's, there are actually a lot of hazards. Yeah. Well, and also just if there's like you know, even a mining shaft, yeah, he could have fallen down a mining shaft, but it doesn't even have to be that sinister. It could be like this pile of leaves that makes the ground look flat and it's actually a drop off. And then, and then you, you just know, fall. <laughs> yeah, you just fall and the, the debris falls over you. I think in one of our earlier episodes this season, we were talking about how going off trail is bad for animals, but it's also bad for humans. Losing the trail you think you can find it or you think you can go in a straight line and you just can't. So going to Asha degree on her Charlie project, um, she's one of those kids. And I'm like this too. Like they have tons of pictures of her from birth to nine. Cause that's how old she was when she disappeared. And she looks exactly the same. I'm like that too. You can see a picture of me at four and it's like, Oh yeah, that's you. They have age progression photos of her too. She would be, uh, she was nine in 2000. So still really young um, but she was never found either that having been said there are a lot of really strange and tantalizing little clues that came out and are still coming out really about her disappearance so one a, a little over a year after her disappearance in august 2001 26 miles away in the opposite direction that asha was last seen headed in um, a contractor working on a construction site dug up a backpack this backpack was wrapped in two plastic trash bags and buried. Obviously, it was buried if he dug it up. Duh. And it was confirmed to be Ash's degree, uh, backpack. It had her name and phone number in it. Hmm. They, The police thoroughly examined the construction site and found a pair of men's khaki pants and the skeletal remains that belonged to, quote, an animal. I haven't seen what animal it was or any other details one place that I looked at said that the findings were sent to an FBI crime lab in Quantico, but no other details have ever been made public. So we don't know what what emerged from those clues, if they're related or not. 14 years later, in 2015, they started to re-examine and re-interview everybody. Um, I saw things that said that they were interviewing like 300 people. In 2016, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office and the FBI 
announced that there was a possible clue um, that they may have seen Asha enter a dark green early 1970s Lincoln Continental Mark IV or a Ford Thunderbird that had rust along the wheel wells. But that's it. And again, that may have been something that she did. That might have been the car. But yeah. And then in October of 2018, which is really recent, that was just like last year, they released two clues that they were looking for help with. And it is so weird. There's no explanation of why they want these clues. They just said, if anybody has any information, please tell us, um, or if they know anything about it. The first is a book by Dr. Seuss McGilligott's Pool from the local like elementary school library. And they said that like the library doesn't keep records going back that far. So, but if you know anyone who checked this out, we want to know um, from Falston Elementary School. And then the other one is a a concert t-shirt from New Kids on the Block, which I had to bring this quote from the article I read because it's so funny, the way that the journalist wrote it. It said, Bowen, who's the Cleveland County Detective Jordan Bowen. So it says, Bowen, quote, described the second clue as a concert t-shirt from New Kids on the Block which formed in the 1980s and is currently on tour. <laughs> it's like, thank you for telling me what New Kids on the Block is. <laughs> I appreciate your marketing. Yeah, but like those are the two clues that they released in October 2018. And they're like, if you know anything about these items, tell us. But they didn't, I, I looked really hard to find, like they didn't explain the connection to Asha Degree. They don't explain why they want to know about this or anything, just like these objects, which is super weird. Also at one point, in between her disappearance and the new kids on the block clue, police thought that like there was a guy um, arrested for kidnapping a girl who was about the same age and looked kind of like Asha from Greensboro, which is where you're from. And they thought maybe that he also took Asha, but then he was later eliminated. But so it's not really interesting to the story of Asha Degree, but I thought it was interesting because it's from your neck of the woods. Well, Greensboro is known for many things, including having a bunch of kidnappers. Really? No, I'm just making oh. that up. <laughs> actually, one thing I did learn was that Phoenix, Arizona, actually gets tons of kidnappings, like over 300, oh, more than one kidnapping a day, if you sparse it out. They call it the kidnapping capital of the world, which who knew, but... The reason why is really sad that it's mostly um, has to do with undocumented workers and unethical coyotes, not the animal, um, but the people who smuggle humans across the border will essentially kidnap people and extort their families for more money. And that's why Phoenix has been called the kidnapping capital of the world. That is sad. It is super sad. It's controversial if that's true or not. Our third person, Jake Wilson. One of the things that's really interesting about Jake Wilson that I said is that he's autistic and apparently with autistic children and adults, especially children, wandering off is really common. It's called eloping, which I thought was funny, like running away to get married or just running away because you have an autism spectrum disorder and that's what you want to do. According to, I wrote a real ass study, <laughs> uh, which is to say I read a real scholarly article. One in four children with an autism spectrum disorder wandered off or became lost in the previous year, which is insane. If there were children with an autism dis spectrum disorder and an intellectual disability, this is about 38%. And autism spectrum disorder without intellectual disability was almost 33 this article, and I'll link to it, also cited another study that said that nearly half of all children with autism attempt to elope. And this isn't like running away because like someone's hitting me on the head. It's like they're in a safe pace, place and they just sort of like get focused on something and follow that and get lost. And interestingly, they also compared it to their um, siblings who do not have autism spectrum disorders. And it was it said they eloped at four times the rate of their siblings. Wow. And this article came out in 2016. It's a journal of pediatrics. And it said that most of the research about this is about adults with dementia, but it's a similar process. Like they just kind of aren't aware of their surroundings or they're hyper-focused on one thing and they wander away. And when children with autism do this, they're most often found in danger of being hit by a car or drowning. And actually people with autism spectrum disorder and children have a higher mortality rate because of things like this they have a really a much higher mortality rate of 
things from accidents like drowning or um, suffocating, like they fall into a pool or, you know, get into a place that they can't get out of, which is very sad. And it said that the places where they most often eloped from, 74% was their own home, which is sad. And also it said some parents have special deadbolts, key locks inside and outside, alarms. It's just very, it's a very like intense situation and must be very frightening for parents who have children who tend to do this. So this is interesting information and it's implied, I didn't see it stated outright, um, but it's implied that this could be what happened to Jake, that they were afraid that he was wandering away. Um, I didn't see any like quote from the parents or, or anything saying like he is prone to doing this or this is what we think, but it, it did seem really heavily implied. Four months after he disappeared, and again, it was April, but it was unusually cold and snowy. Kayakers are in the creek where Jake said he was walking by and they find something. Police don't confirm what it is. It's a type of remains and when asked, like, well, what did they find? They're like, we're not going to say. Um, and they're like, well, how, what bones did you find? And they're like, we just found a significant amount of bones. And that's all they'll say, which is really bizarre. After two weeks of finding these bones, um, they do confirm it's Jake. And where Jake's bones were found is a place in the creek that they had searched at least 30 times no. before. They had cleared brush, they had had helicopters, and they just couldn't find it. The police chief did say that, like, the creek had gone down, like, it had been at a much higher level when he disappeared, and it had gone down, and that's why the kayakers were able to find things. And then he also said there were, like, holes in the bottom, and I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean, that there are holes in the bottom of a creek? Like, <laughs> like a bathtub drain? I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> but it's very weird. The quote from the police chief, quote, it's a question that we ask ourselves and we rack our brains over. We might be able to really give you an answer later on why we didn't find him earlier. Um, they haven't released how he died and they haven't said anything, in fact, except that others aren't in danger. So it seems like they don't really think that it's like he was murdered or anything like that. Yeah. Gosh, that's really, that's really sad. They were so close. I know. It's really sad. My thing... I will say one of the things that I said about Jake disappearing was that he had cowboy boots on. And as someone who has worn cowboy boots at many junctures in my life, in various states of inebriation, of indoor, outdoor, and all kinds of weather, this is what I will say about cowboy boots. You feel pretty confident in them. <laughs> like, they make your feet feel good. They feel good on your soles of your feet and your arches, but you can still kind of, like, tell what's going on on the ground, like, when you wear thin shoes. And they also have really good ankle support. So you can be like, yeah, I can hike. I can go anywhere. But cowboy boots have no tread at all. So it would be really easy to get overconfident and then just like slip and not be able to get out or slide down the edge of a creek or that sort of thing. So I think that's a, an interesting little detail that I can see how that might have like contributed to falling into a creek. So don't wear cowboy boots when hiking and also don't go outside when it's raining never go outside when it's raining also just a neat little tidbit this happened at the same time as molly tibbetts disappearance who was a runner who she disappeared during a run and then was later found to have been murdered and she also disappeared from the university of iowa i think maybe it was iowa state but both of these disappearances were happening at the same time in iowa so, Iowa, get your shit together. Yeah, no joke. All of this is very creepy, not very funny. One of the things that a agent, I think it says SBI, which I think is some FBI, but a different branch. Oh, wait, no, I'm a liar. This is coming from different people. But so, like, experts who work for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and FBI agents, all of these cases that I just told you are, are very unusual. Speaking about Asha Degree's case, they say that most children who run away are at least 12. She was only nine, which is really unusual. They also said that when children run away, um, it's usually a dysfunctional family or poor academic performance. But this is doesn't apply to any of these children. None of them are the typical runaway. They're not the typical abduction. Um, these are all quite unusual. But the things that I think are important to note are that 
the typical runaways and the typical abductions are vulnerable children. The thing that is important about these cases, even though I said that all three of these are, are really unusual, is that the children that do disappear, that wander off, or that are abducted are often from vulnerable populations, right? Runaways are often being abused or in unstable, dysfunctional situations. Autistic children run, like wander away a lot. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has a whole page about this and has statistics about it. Dennis Martin, I saw some things that said that he was sort of developmentally delayed, that he was six, but that his like maturity level or whatever was a, a year behind. And Asha Degree's mother says, quote, missing white children get more attention. I don't understand why. I know if you ask them, they will say it's not racial. Oh, really? I'm not going to argue because I have common sense. And you can even see this, you know, Jake Wilson and Dennis Martin on opposite years had thousands of volunteers trying to look for them. And Asha Degree had under 100. I think these are weird, creepy cases altogether. But if we have a takeaway of what we can learn from, it's that we need to care about all of the people and, and realize that people that are like likely to be already hurting or already ignored are are also going to have their cases ignored and that should not be the case yeah and they're just straight up creepy like the idea of someone snatching a kid in a car feels like it kind of makes sense to us in some way like not makes sense as in like yeah do that but we're like oh they disappeared someone in a car pulled up and grabbed them and stuck them in the back of the van or whatever like that feels like an idea that we can wrap our minds around but someone just like disappearing from a clearing or like the the story with Asha Degree like I said this is the one that really made me want to do this is like why did she leave like she had some plan she had something in her mind like what was that yeah and this quote I think is from Wikipedia but it's like this idea that I saw echoed in like all of the things I read about Asha Degree was quote investigators believe that like she she had a reason for an explanation there's an explanation for why she left um and then quote but that for some reason she either got off track or was abducted so like she was doing something a to b but then some other thing came in and and snatched her or whatever it's it's really bizarre and i think i said i think i said earlier that they didn't have a computer in the house so like one of the really like first theories is like oh she was chatting online with someone who lured her away and her parents didn't know about it but it was impossible they didn't have a computer yeah it's bizarre i i think one of the things that i just thought of with asha degree is that i wonder if another child lured her out or another child like murdered her or something and i mean that's not unheard of you know it's not unheard of and that would be why like hey let's run away together and have an adventure or something and a kid would also explain, like, why a kid wouldn't come forward and say, this is what happened, right? You're afraid of getting in trouble. Or if a, that's how she would have come in contact with someone who would have lured her out. But yeah, so this is the creepy, spooky three tales of children who disappear of the thousands across the land. And uh, as a 33-year-old woman... I still go hiking every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to make this like kids are weird as opposed to like be afraid of nature. But I, you know, we did kind of learn to be afraid of nature in the form of rain. Always be afraid of nature. Always be afraid of nature. As someone who's um, been in areas where it's flooded, absolutely be afraid of rain. Fuck the rain. Fuck it right in its face. <laughs> Even though we need it to grow food and stuff. Yeah, rain's kind of important, Emily. Don't I mean... don't fuck rain. Oh, I hear I hear the song of the people. Yeah, Felix is saying it's time to stop. Well, goodbye, everybody. Uh, keep an eye on children and don't go outside when it's raining. Please don't go outside when it's raining. All right, bork, bork, bork. <laughs>